Um, Channel 10. <laughs> Check it out. Before we get into this episode with the amazing Jordana Elizabeth, we have to... Uh, just make a couple of announcements. Number one, make sure you go check out St. God Superior's EP, Koros. Uh, you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, wherever you get your music from. Um, support them directly on Bandcamp. You can go to SingardSuperior.com and, uh, you know, see everything that he has going on. Um, at the same time, you can check out my club music project that's 410 music factory poly rhythms check that out everywhere too you can also check that out at 410musicfactory.com as always channel10podcast.com go there check out our back catalog of episodes show some support buy a t-shirt by clicking on the store link and um, leave a comment rate subscribe like wherever you get your podcasts from we also present the Wu-Tang Podcast. Make sure you check out wutangpodcast.com and you can uh, find that on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcast from and all that and all that. Um, I think that's it for right now. So with that being said, let's get into the show. We used to be like, see you then, Channel 10. And we used to think that people would catch on. No, but like, if you're not from Queens, <laughs> if you don't got time Warner or whatever. <laughs> like, well, I got to do it, yo. Yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up, on, man? What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. What up? All good, baby. In every hood, son. What up? Yeah, CNN. Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Bold face. Get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace, cast more beef than Scarface, CNN, Network, Network Channel 10, Network, it's on again, street yo, niggas that's grown men, bold face, gather your face, stay in place, yo, yo. Once again, we're back. It's the Channel 10 Podcast. It is I, the almighty ARR Tick in the building, and I'm alongside Singer Superior, and today we have a very special guest. Uh, by the name of Jordana Elizabeth, say what's up to the people. What's up to the people? <laughs> <laughs> um, and just you know, looking at everything um, that you have up online, it seems like you have a lot going on. So you're going on tour next week. Uh, I am going on tour uh, next month. I have a number of local events here in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout late August and September, then I head to Europe in October, um, come home for a second, go to the Bay Area for a couple of weeks, um, and then I go to Miami uh, in December for Art Basel, which is a huge arts festival, um, so it's going to be cool. That's, that's what's up, and um, are you promoting a particular project now? I I am. Um, I am working on an album and a book uh, called The Warmest Low. Um, this is a three-track single, which is going to uh, next year become a full album. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of just an art piece. Um, my last records have surrounded... Um, social justice and 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 uh, racism and music experimentation and and kind of 
free theme stuff. This is kind of more of an open, flowy art record. So it's it's kind of nice to get back to to the heart of of of, of just being artistic, you know. Right. Now yeah. I guess um taking it back to the beginning, um, mm. you're originally from Baltimore. Born and raised, yes, sir. Oh. Um, I was born in Johns Hopkins Bayview, which is which was. Uh, Francis Scott Key Hospital in 86 when I was born. Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> a, little, a little fact there, a little trivia, Baltimore trivia fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, Baltimore was my life. Um, I was carted, uh, lived on Rogers Avenue, um, and then uh, moved my mother moved us to the county when I was about six, but I was back and forth through Edmondson Village where my grandmother lived. Um, and I believe my, my auntie lived on Fayette and they were both there for, you know, 30 years. So um, the city um, was, yeah, it was all I knew um, until I was about 15 and my mother moved me to Colorado. Um, that must have been a culture shock. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was actually. I actually took it really well. I just stuck my head out of the window and breathed the air for like three days because it's so clean. I literally like put my head out the window and just inhaled and exhaled for. It's it's a gorgeous, beautiful place. Mm. Um, but you know, I had a good time. I you know, I mean, um, Colorado Springs is a military town. So it was, it was, it was diverse, you know what I mean? Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a culture shock. My, my accent is gone. My be more accent is gone because, <laughs> you know, people couldn't understand, uh, what I was saying. And it was like, I had to, I had to adjust. That was probably the main thing. Other than that, I just kind of partied with the white kids and had a good time and, um, really just kind of got into, into music and traveled and, um, I, I had a good, I had a, I had an interesting teenage, teenage life, um, in Colorado. I guess I saw an outside concert in Acacia Park when I was about 14 or 15 and I had just had this epiphany, like, this is what I want to do. Um, uh. so, um, I ended up going to a small uh, college when I was 16 in Southern Colorado. <clears throat> and, you know, had a boyfriend and he had friends in a band. And uh, by the time I was 17, I was putting a band on tour. We traveled all wow. around Colorado and I booked the shows. And um, this had to have been about 2004, between 2004 and 2006. Um, so I've been, uh, been doing it for a long time. Uh, I'm 30 now. I'll be 30 in October. I'm not 30 now. I should <laughs> <laughs> not yet, <laughs> yeah. but, um, yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, working in the, the music industry for a good, a good portion of my life. That's what's up now. Um, I guess before you went to Colorado, did you get into music at all? Or was that like your first experience, um, like trying it out? 
No, uh, I grew up in the church, you know, so, and that's pretty much every black female singer in the universe. <laughs> um, grew up in the church, and uh, I, I went to, uh, I, I went, I went to school. I took a piano lessons, and you know how you know how moms do that. You know they put you in ballet and piano and the and the singing and all this and dancing and singing and so um, took a lot of electives in junior high, choir, played violin in first grade. Um, so no, I I've, I um, have been. Uh, in music, I've been I've been educated in music. Then when I did end up going to that college, I stumbled in the uh, music department specifically because I wanted to study English. I actually wanted to be a novelist um, early on in my life. Always wanted to be a writer. So I signed up to major in English, and uh, the teacher in the English department, he, he walked me and he said, uh, Jordana, you know, um, you can't major in English. I said, why? He said, because uh, you're the only student in the entire school who signed up for French and English literature. So there aren't enough classes for you to 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 take this this uh, this major. So I, I stumbled into the music department, and um, when you when you study music, you have to have an instrument. It doesn't matter if you study music education or uh, music therapy or anything like that. You've got to have a core instrument. So um, I took vocals. So I'm classically trained. Um, mm-hmm. But what interested me the most was uh, music history and literature. So I was able to kind of get my um, my writing fixed through um through studying music history, which which um, has kind of bled into my music critic career, um, mm. yeah. So even though you um, weren't able to get into, or you know, I guess they really didn't have much of an uh, English department. Mm-hmm. Um, um, did you do like freelance writing on the side while you were majoring in music? Not at all. It took it took about a decade for me to get back to my passion, my true passion. Um, God. Uh, so, so things, so things went along in Colorado and managed some bands and I picked up a guitar and studied music and started, you know, um, going on the road as a, as a solo acoustic musician, this weird little black girl with dreadlocks, like singing this folk music. <laughs> People were like, we have no idea what you are, but I had fun. You know, I've always lived in my own little bubble. I've never, you know, I've, I've I've always had so much fun that I've never really let people get to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I I I, I can see how um, being so different could have discouraged me, or people could have could have tried to discourage me. But I've, I've always been kind of like aloof. You know, because I'm just so into whatever I'm doing. So I, I went along my life with my guitar and traveled all over the place, all over the country. And um, uh, went to Los Angeles and then ended up in New York. And New York is where um, my career kind of, my I kind of got a name for myself as a promoter. Um, tying together um, 
the the music scene in, in Bushwick, Brooklyn in about 2010. Mm. I just pulled all my friends together. I lived in this big loft and we were all these young, bright-eyed musicians. And um, I just started throwing parties and uh, uh, booked a lot of Brooklyn bands in this Manhattan club in the Lower East Side called Fat Baby and um, just just put on... I mean, count dozens, 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 dozens of shows and made a living at that at about 23, 24 years old. And uh, I got burnt out, you know? I mean, you know, I just had a bunch of white boys getting attitudes and, and telling me what to do. And I, you know, it was just kind of like kind of getting to me. So um, I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm going to start writing. So I, I started uh. blogging, um, to get privacy. <laughs> like, how can I stay in the music industry and still kind of, you know, have um, space to myself? You know, my phone was going off the hook at all hours of the night. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not a, I'm a very, I'm a very spacious person. I don't like, I, I really don't like being interrupted in that manner. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's where the blogging um came in. I started a blog um from my from my promotions company record label called The Process Records. I started um The Process Records blog and then it turned into TPR Mag, TPR Dash Mag, TPR Magazine and that went really well. I covered um psychedelic and experimental music from North America. Uh, Australia and Eastern and Western Europe because at the same time my sister Isabella Regoso who um, came up with me in Bushwick got a a music editor job at a Latin American music website called Remezcola so she gave me a little job doing that and so I was already covering South America so I just took my blog and covered the rest of the world (laughs) Um, and um that's kind of that's that's pretty much where history uh, has it. I um, worked for a site at, uh, called thinklikealabel.com, dot com, and from there I was able to get a job at Vice um, and freelance. I did one piece for them, and then just things just snowballed from there. That was two thousand thirteen. So, so it seems like you're. Um because you seem like you have like a very free spirit and a lot of times I hear interviews with people when they say, you know, I just did this or did that, but it also seems like you had to have like a like a business type of grind yeah. in order to do that. So, yeah. for like any aspiring musician who's trying to do it, how do you just pick up your guitar and go travel and 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 you know, do shows and things like that or put a tour yeah. together? Like like how did that happen early on? I went to Google and said, how do I put on a tour? I swear to God. <laughs> um, and, like, my boyfriend thought I was crazy. This was before the Internet was, was big. And my mother, luckily, my mother had um, gotten the Internet very early on. We had America Online oh, yeah. in, 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 in the county of Baltimore by the time I was about 10 or 11, long before. This is, like, 97, 99, long before you know, it caught on into homes. I wouldn't say long before, a few years though, before it really caught on. Um, 
that's why I, I had a lot of experience with the internet and I taught myself, I, I, I taught myself to code. Um, uh, and that was because I'm backtracking now. I'm going to start from the roots of it. I went to Deer Park Middle Magnet School, which was a, a comprehensive magnet school um, in the county, and I studied mass communication. So by the time I was 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, we were doing television and radio script writing um, and uh, an Internet proficiency. So that launched me, I mean, light years ahead. You know, which is why still at 29 years old, I'm doing, you know, much of what uh, my contemporaries are doing who are about 10 years older. And I humbly say that because I'm always learning and always reading. So back to your question of how do you get on that grind? I do have a business uh, spirit. I do. I'm a businesswoman. And I balance my... um, my my shyness, my free spirit, my flowy kind of personality. Um, it it it, uh, it took a while, but I, I balance it now. Um, uh, you know, it was very instinctual. Um, I had friends so since I had put you know friends on tour. You know, some of my friends would come up and maybe be like a manager of a little of a little, you know, beer brewery and they'd say, Okay, well you come play this gig and you know, or they they'd get an open mic night and they say, Okay, you you know, you know, you people take care of one another. We take care of each other. So I think for me it has always been keeping friends and being kind and helping people. Uh-huh. And you know, I mean us us as, as, as black folk we don't we don't really like to to do that you know what I'm saying (laughs) okay Um, but I I really work hard not to to burn bridges and even even beyond not burning bridges um, creating friendship creating a safe space for people to come to me and say you know um, know, can I I do this for you I think I I hit up Sin God over to Twitter because I think he liked my Facebook and I just DM'd and I said hey can I do your show yeah. And he said, yeah, <laughs> it's, that's pretty much it. You go, you know, you go say, hey, can, you know, either somebody comes to you because they like what you're doing. You have a friend who who got a job like Isabella, who I came up with in Brooklyn. She gave me that job at Rumesco. And well, a couple of years later, she was able to give me a job at MTV when she got music editor. You know what I'm saying? So, so when Issa, you know, hooks me up, I, I get a call from maybe uh, Google Play or something like that, and they call me, and I say, hey, I can't take the job. But my sister over here, she's in NYC. Do you know what I'm saying? That's how we do it. You know nice. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think Baltimore has a long way to go in regards to networking and that real th- losing that fear of loss if you share your contacts. Do you know what I'm saying? Keep uh-huh. your contact close to you. And this is, I'm giving like real business goal right here. This should cost money. But like, you know, <laughs> keep your contacts close to you, but know who your brothers and sisters are. And if somebody did a big favor, you know what I'm saying? Put you on, got you on summer stage or, or, or even just, you know what I'm saying? Got you, got you a little hundred dollar gig, you know, to open up or something. 
you know, you come up, you remember them. And, and, and it's not necessarily about getting something back. It's about giving something because they did something for you first. Does that make sense? I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, so that's really, I wouldn't say that's my secret. Um, but kindness and, 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 and having, uh, an understanding of abundance, which is another thing that our community really struggles with. We think that there's a, there's a lack, um, and, and, and there's a, there's a lack of surplus, um, especially in the arts community and the hip hop community, but I don't, I don't see it that way. I've never felt like. Um, if I gave something, I would lose. I felt like I feel like when I give something, I will gain. So that takes away a lot of um, fear, and it takes away of not a lot of negativity in my vibe, in my energy. You know what I'm mm. saying? Mm. Um, yeah, love, love. You know what I'm saying? Just, 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 just give love, and um, you know. <sighs> Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's 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 pretty much <laughs> been the secret. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so when it comes to this idea of you know you you are eventually trying to figure out a way to balance yourself, um, how did you go about doing that? Because you know you you write, you do music, you travel all over the place, and and, and if I'm correct, I think you teach also on the side too, or give talks, and. Yeah, and so you know me, I I'm still struggling with that too. You know, like because I I teach also, and then I do music, and so um, it's a it can be a, a pretty big task. Because I guess for me personally, I just feel like I'm using like different two different sides of my brain when I do either music or teaching. Yeah, um, time management is hard. Um. Another thing about being kind is that people give you leeway when you're not perfect. So uh, I always try to, A, stay humble and and communicate, whether it be with my editors. I think I've needed like four extensions for an article for LA Weekly I'm working on. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, Now, now with that, I've been able to do like two or three like short interviews, like, oh, you know, Saul Williams, I I know his publicist, I can call up and turn around and interview real quick, but I'm doing this really comprehensive article and you know because I'm you know I try to be down to earth and communicate I just say hey you know I I, I need a couple more minutes so um so so not pressuring yourself and 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 um saying to people sometimes hey I'm I'm not perfect can I have a little bit more time to do this um is a good tactic me right now I have a headache and I'm exhausted right now I'm in the dark <laughs> um, because I did a photo shoot this morning. Um, God, what did I do there? I went to, I did a photo shoot this morning. I went to, I, I didn't sleep at all. It's the full moon. I don't sleep. It's just a vibey thing. I don't, I don't sleep very well. Um, so let's see. I did a photo shoot this morning. Uh, went to Red Emma's and wrote and read a little bit. I left my laptop. I wanted to just write in a, in a notebook and like read a little bit just to clear my mind. Uh, I took a walk. Um, today is a close friend of mine's uh, birthday, and it's kind of like bumming me out. So I did something for myself. I went and I got I got a I got a new tat just to kind of clear 
my head. So I went to, I walked down to Reed Street and did the, I don't drive, so a lot of this takes a lot of time. So I walked from, I took the free bus down from Red Emma's to Reed Street to, to got the tat, um, walked all the way from Mount Vernon back to like 30th and Charles Village just because I hate waiting for the damn free bus um, in about 90 degree weather. That's how I keep in shape also. So I, I walk a lot to make sure that my body is balanced. Um, came home and I found that my plumbing was fucked up and yeah, like everything has boiled over. So I tried to take a nap. I I took an hour. I rested. So for a minute, um, then I had to go walk to the family dollar and get a plumber. I get a plunger, tried to plunge (laughs) my toilet. That shit didn't work. Called maintenance. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and then, you know, it's that's kind of, and then the, the last couple of hours, I've just been, just been trying to, to calm myself. Um, so today was a stressful day. In regards to time management, um, I try to eat well. Um, when we don't eat well, we feel very sick and we feel very slow. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I try to sleep. Um, that's why I'm like, why y'all calling me at 10 o'clock at night? <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes I'm out at the crown, you know what I mean? But when, I, when I'm on tour, I, I pretty much shut in. And I know that, like, my friends are missing me a little bit. Um, so I have a discipline of where I do have to distance. Um myself to concentrate um so that is what i do i kind of pull back socially and um the older i get because when i was younger i was just on the road for a decade pretty much from like 15 to 25 to be really Mm -hmm. honest um and i got tired of it i didn't know my family i didn't have really close relationships. So for the last five years, I've I've come back home to connect. Um, So I've been doing a lot better with that. And um, I remember I came home this time last year in July, and I took six months off. I moved in with a partner. I spent time with my family. I got in the drama, you know what I mean? Like it's drama to have a lover and a partner and a fa- and, and to get in with your family and go to the family events and to, you know, to really invest. Do you know what I mean? Tell us about um, it. it. Yeah, for sure. Right? It's <laughs> it's a little overwhelming to me. I'm I'm really private. It's it's really it's a little overwhelming. Um. So, so, so I tried it. Now I've learned to take four to six months off and only tour, you know, and it it cut my year up. So I'm on the road only really for a couple of weeks in October. Um, And then for a few days in December, but the tour, but I have a number of local events. So um, that's kind of how I balance. It's hard. I'm a little. I'm a little lonely right now. I'll be honest with you, and that. But that's where your discipline comes in, where your mental and emotional discipline comes in. Um, where you got to get the work done. Either, you know, either the qual, either I don't have quality in my work, 
um, um, I won't have quality in my work if, if I choose to, 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 to invest too much in other things. Did that answer your question? Uh, I mean, yeah, 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 it does. And, um, you know, like when it comes like to writing period and, you know, these, these kind of like when it comes to writing articles and, um, things, um, things that are similar, it can be like a lonely task. And I remember I came across one of your articles for, uh, brokeassstore.com and where you talk about writing or writers in depression and that correlation. And so I guess in so many ways, um, personally, based on that article and others, others that I've read off uh, by you from that site, you try to challenge, you try to channel that depression and loneliness into your work to come out with good quality work. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so blessed to have written that column. Thank you to Stuart, <clears throat> broadcast Stuart for that, because a lot of people refer to that of all ages and it's been really helpful to a lot of people. Um, I'm, I'm older now. I'm, I'm not as depressed. Um, but that has come with maturity and meditation and, um, I'm learning even right now in the last few weeks, I'm learning to, um, depend on myself a little bit more emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, it is, it's a discipline. It's hard. Um, but I, I have my little outlets. Like, like I like to go to Red Emma's because it's like, I call it like, and I, I say this in the best way possible. I call it like a high school cafeteria. Because when I go there and I, I can get my reading and, and writing done, definitely not in the morning because all my friends just show up and it's like I get distracted for an hour or two and it's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, so, so I, I get my little social, I go to coffee shops and write. Um, if I really want to get shit done, I'll go to, um, to Red Emma's at night because it, I, I, it's, it's a little bit more solitary. But, you know, I mean, you know, I have my little things, but, um, you know, um, my my marriage is very spacious. We um, live really um, individualistic lives, and we are great partners, and we care about each other a lot, but we give each other a lot of space. Um which is very new, which is, you know, kind of that new, nouveau uh, marriage where it's like, I, you know, even with my, my, my partner before I got married, we didn't, I should, it's probably nobody's business, but we didn't share a bed. You know what I'm saying? We mm -hmm. shared a space, but we didn't, you know, share a bed. So I, I personally look for um, independent friends and lovers and partners and you know what i mean um my girlfriends are most of them are uh, my friend frog is in mongolia right now we're gonna meet up in miami so you, you know what i mean so i just i just kind of find friends who 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 have this, the same lifestyle and so we understand um and are so busy that like we're not we're not really tripping but yeah i, I get i get lonely and sometimes I, it, it's a bummer but the older i get um, I'm learning to mentally discipline. You know wh who really helps? There are these um, lectures by Ram Dass. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ram, you, you know Ram Dass? Yeah, his podcast, he, listen to it all the time. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Go to YouTube because you can get on his full, like, vintage lectures. Mm. Um, and I was feeling particularly lonely about a, about a friend 
someone who I deem as a soulmate, particularly lonely, um, because this person dropped off. And, you know, and, and I have to, like, convict myself, too, because it's like, I drop off, too. But it hurt, you know, it hurt this this particular um, karmic tie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, I had just turned on um, one of Ram Dass's lectures, and it saved my life because he talked about how um, there really is no separation. And not only did he talk about how there's really honestly like not a separation in regards to love, but how to how to cope when you're being immature about your because I'm like I just I just want to let go <laughs> you know what I mean I'm like and I've been saying like like let go break you know what I mean let go let go and you know and Ram Dass was like you know what even when you try to let go that that you're still struggling you're still you're still causing friction. Even mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There is no separation. That love and that person is in you, right? Yeah. So you know what I mean? That's like so, um a way to deal with like especially like um like when you deal with death and things like that. Mm, mm, like, mm-hmm. you know, as long as it's still in you, you know, it's it's it it's never gone. Because time is, you know, only the moment. Right. And I believe when someone is on your mind, they are in you. That's not a mistake. Mm -hmm. Because there are 7 billion people in the world. So how is this person able to infiltrate your spirit? That's not a mistake. Because they're in you. And that's a beautiful thing, and you can either choose to struggle and see that as negative because it hurts because you miss that person's physical presence, which is completely understandable, you know what I'm saying? But, um, or you can choose to just lay back and, and, and let it be what it is. And when you let it be what it is, sometimes, you know, they, they manifest on their own. It just, it just may take you know, maybe sometimes a couple of years I've seen now, you know, now that I'm getting older and I, I love aging because I've been able to see like a decade go past and I've been able to see relationships kind of resurface over long periods of time. And I'm not even talking about like love relationships, even colleagues, you know what I mean? And I'm like, damn, that's really cool. I had let go. I wasn't even thinking about this person and now they're back and it's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's been helping, but this is all tied into, you know, dealing with depression and dealing with, you know, um being a writer and having a more of a um an independent, you know, spirit, you know what I mean? Mm. Do you find that um that sometimes when you put out um, you know, something that you've written or a piece of music um, do you find like the uh, response and the validation kind of comforting sometimes in those moments of loneliness? You know, that's an amazing question. Um, actually, I um, struggled a lot with the warmest glow um, because it is about loss. And um, uh 
I didn't think that I was going to do music again. Actually, mm. I wanted I wanted to give up. I've been doing it for such a long time as a primary career. Um, and so as my career got more diverse and I was able to make more of a living off of teaching and writing, I didn't have to play music, you know. Um, so I came home from Baltimore, from San Francisco during the uprising, because it was right after the uprising, because I was just like, something's wrong, you know, with my city. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to go and see what's going on. Um, so I came home and I, I moved in with a partner and I started writing this record. Um, and even before writing The Warmest Low, when I got here, I had some trouble writing my album before that called um, A Rush. Um, excuse me, there were there were two albums before that, um, Borders and A Rush. But during The Rush, I got really sick. And I had gotten a, I, my, I had gotten an infection in my wisdom tooth, teeth, and it was really bad. And that can kill, take care of it. And I was sick, and I was writing the record. And you, we talked about me being a hustler. I'm a strong woman. I kept going, um, but I, I didn't really like. I, I kind of started having this entourage around me, and it started to get a little, a little fake for me. Um, and I remember being at a show and I was sick and I hired this young publicist and she was like, okay, you got to come to the after party. You got to do all this. You know, her mom was there. She's like, you got you to gotta go to the bar because everybody's waiting. And, you know, I went, but I knew in the back of my head, I said, you know, if this girl really cared about me. She put me in a fucking car and sent me home. Mm. You know, I said, I said, so, so I, I, that, I distanced myself after that. I was like, these people don't care about me. Look at them. They're like partying, like in my name. You know what I'm saying? Um, and they, but they don't give a shit about me. You know what I mean? Like I am sick. Uh, so I dropped off and I, I got a little depressed and, and, um, I wanted to quit then. Um, but my friend Breck, who had produced that record, he had noticed that I had, had gotten sad and I had distanced myself. So he, I was in San Francisco, he was in LA, he had gotten his house. He said, come down and, uh, let's, let's do some music. I said, fine. And he said, I got a house. You take a couple of days, get some rest. We'll write some songs. I said, fine. Um, on my way down to Los Angeles, I had seen, uh, the eulogy for, uh, for the Charleston church massacre mm. where Obama was, uh, was speaking and he's saying amazing grace and you know I'm I'm at the rest stop just crying you know like it was crazy so um so I I had gone to Los Angeles I would written a song called uh uh Charleston settled in the Lord I will be settled I will be settled in Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus I will be settled in the Lord, oh Lord, oh my Lord. Right? Just a just a nice gospel song. Um so you know, and before that I had on a rush we'd opened the song with a prayer for Black America for Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown and Eric Garner. So, you know, everything had just been heavy, you know, and then the then the then the uprising happened. 
and you know it, it it just it just all changed my life and changed my perspective and i i had just really gotten into wanting to serve my community um and teach so you know and then uh, you know i moved in with my partner and we 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 separated and i was just like man you know what it's been too much it's been too much i lost you know i lost a lot. <laughs> um, that was about around my birthday, 2015, February 2015, and cut to June 2016. I hadn't picked up a guitar for eight months. Mm. And I was just coming back to myself from just losing um, my partner and transitioning into into a wonderful marriage with a with a new partner and I was just 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 getting my shit together and I was I was at a birthday party um and I was sitting around the table and uh two guys were sitting at the table the party was over and um the guitar there was being a guitar, guitar passed around it got past me so I picked it up and I did a little freestyle I closed my little eyes <laughs> you know what I mean it's been a long time so uh, I closed my eyes and there was nobody in the room. And by the time I had opened them, there were six people standing in front of me. And they said, um, Jordana, we forgot how amazing you were. They called my, my music otherworldly. Mm. I said, oh, okay. So my friend said, I'm going to give you a guitar. I said, okay. So I, I accepted it. That that comes back to my, my philosophy of 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 accepting when somebody wants to love you and give you something, accept it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I said, all right, well, I'll, sure. It's a nice guitar. Um, I consider that to be a little bit of a little divine intervention. I was very thankful for the encouragement. So this is me answering your question. You know, do people, do, do people validate you? The encouragement. So yeah, I got the guitar and then, um, I think like the next night I was at the Crown and I met some friends. I met a producer out of nowhere. I didn't know. And I ended up in a recording studio and they said, uh, just, just for an after party. And they said, uh, I jammed a little bit. Um, and the producer said, I'll give you six hours for $80. I said, oh, okay, cool. Um, a week later, I go to a show to see this all-girl band, woman band in Seattle, uh, from Seattle called Chastity Belt. I'm at the gig. I see my my old partner's old friend who runs a record label, and uh, he gave me a record deal at the party at the show. Mm. This is all in the course of a week, right? I said, "Well, shit, God," <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so so so, uh, and then two weeks later, um, I pitched the warmest low as a book, just just out of a, off a cuff off the cuff it wasn't even like real i was just kicking it with a publisher we just wanted to get to know each other so i gotten i'd gotten the opportunity to submit a book as well so this was all in the course of two or three weeks um so yeah i wouldn't be doing i wouldn't be on tour if it wasn't for my friends right now mm. that's pretty yeah. dope and i'm gonna definitely come check you out you're gonna be at the crown next wednesday right Oh yeah, yeah. I got a. I have a cellist named Chanel uh, Whitehead, mm-hmm. um, and uh, my friend Miles is playing guitar. Um, 
come to that show, that's going to be a real, that's going to be a real down home good show because all my friends are going to be there. Ancestral duo Jamal and Luke are these um, these black experimental uh, freestyle musicians. They're they're mind blowing. Jamal will pick up like six different instruments. He'll pick up a saxophone and then a flute and then play the congas. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like real, like they're real. Um, and then my friend Dan Conrad. Dan Conrad is actually a very famous uh, instrument maker. So you're going to see an instrument called the chroma chord that he invented. Like this is like a real deep experimental show. Like it's going to be um, incredible. Um, and Dave Human of a band called Arboretum, he's actually on my album. We did a duet together. Um, uh, so it, this is going to be a family show. I would love for you to come and I would love to meet you. Um, also, I'll be playing the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra Pulse Series. Mm. Um, that's going to be a big deal. I'm going to have two violins, a cello, uh, a backup vocal, and I think two guitars. So we're going to be a big band. Um, and uh, yeah, I went from zero to arranging strings. <laughs> uh, I've done it before, but you know what I mean. I went, I went from like never again to like playing Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. So that um, this ties into the go with the flow. My life is not, I follow the patterns in my life, and I let God give me what. I'm supposed to have. And I was just talking to Dave today. Um, he's an older guy. He's a white guy, but he's, he's been playing music for 30 years and I'm 30 years old, but uh, he just, he's just 29. Okay. I'm 29. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Listen. I'm excited to be 30. I look good. <laughs> I, I, I look 15. So I'm, I'm excited to brag about it. Um, but <laughs> Listen, I got I got about eight months left Ooh. of my 20s, and I'm about to get it in. <laughs> I, I also try to, like, hype myself up so I don't flip out, like, when it happens. Right, I'll try right, to, right. I'll, like, I'll move over, like, six months in so I'm already psychologically, like, prepared. That makes you know? sense. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to use that in a couple months. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> For reals. For reals. Um, and black don't crack. You you know people are gonna be like, oh my god, you thirty? You gonna be like, yeah, I'm thirty. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, but he was just tell. Dave was just telling me this morning, like you know, uh, I was telling him this this music is was given to me in through synchronicity, um, through if not divine. In, intervention through synchronicity through a, a series of events so I almost feel like I know I, I, I definitely feel that I'm surrendering to this project it didn't come it came to me I didn't go to it so I have to throw away my logic because I'm exhausted like right now I have a headache and I am sick because I am stressed you know what I'm saying but God gave me a gift and 
it's about making the choice of am I going to be stubborn um, or am I going, because I, I like to write more than I like to really make music, to be honest with you. But I have a beautiful voice and my music touches people. Uh, and people ask for it. So yeah, that the only reason why I make music is because of the validity, because people request it and give me money and resources and uh, and time and love to do it. You know what I'm saying? So um, this tour was invested. I haven't had to drop a dime by the grace of God. You know what I'm saying? So when, I mean, uh, and I, I, I hate when people are jealous. I don't believe in jealousy, and particularly when people are jealous of me. And I, I, get, I get a lot of jealousy. I have a hard time connecting with a lot of people, you know, because of that issue. And it's just like, man, if you knew <laughs> what I go through to do this and maintain it, you know what I mean? Um, I think jealousy comes from, you know, um, insecurity, that feeling that you can't do it. Like, I don't get jealous because if I see somebody doing something, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could do that if I wanted to. If I put the work in and the time in that they did, you know, but other people, I guess, don't necessarily have that same perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And. I guess so. I I don't I don't understand. Of course, we I'm human. I I get jealousy, but I don't. I've I've never been. I've never seen. You know. I've never been. I've never been jealous of a, of, a, of another person for their for their talent. Sometimes it's hard to see people get. You know, big deals or 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 to see a writer younger than me. Uh, write for the New York Times. Do you know what I'm saying? But it's also like we contribute to each other. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I look, when as an artist, I, I always connect with my community. I don't see myself as an individual artist. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, and as a writer and as a journalist, you know, I'm in deep into the writer community. Um, so when my bosses at Bandcamp get on New York Times, I'm tweeting them like, yeah, my editors got in New York Times. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, we just celebrate each other. But, yeah, I mean, I but I've had some women who have tried to really hurt me, you know, mm. due to their insecurities. And it, that, it, it, it can get, it gets scary sometimes. I think that's another reason for my um, my protectiveness and my privacy because um, uh, when 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 you have a blessing on you, some people want to take you down, you know, and you just gotta have that that faith, but also, you know, make sure that you're you're protecting yourself. And you're just not running around. Hey, it's me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't go where I don't belong. Do you know what right. I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm not gonna be, you know, out at the paradox or on the block every day. 
you know, and not not because I don't, not because I think it's dangerous or it's wrong. It's just like I don't, I don't, you know, what I'm saying, put myself in situations that could potentially um, endanger endanger the blessings that I have. You know what I mean? So, mm. I think that's another good bit of advice for young, you know, artists. You don't got to be out networking when you're young is great, and that. I was out in the clubs for years, but like you know, when you get older and when you get to a certain age and to a certain point, you don't got to be, you don't got to be out there all day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, for real. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times with these shows, especially you know in the hip hop world, it can get, it can get a little interesting sometimes. Like, I've been in right. situ. I I think the I think the first time I ever got pepper sprayed by the police was mm. um outside of a show at the five seasons right <laughs> back when i was younger <laughs> right and like nobody was doing anything wrong i completely forgot about that until you just talked right. about um you know being in certain places <laughs> right it's but, real um, yeah. you know uh protecting your 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 body and your space i mean you know what i mean um i see like my friends are all at a really big music festival right now and i really want to be there you know what i'm saying everybody's there you know i really want to be there but you know i have this photo shoot i have this radio show to do and i i have you know this podcast i have you know other things to do and you know um you know, it's the full moon. I don't want to be out in the woods and it. You know what I mean? I just, it, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm very like kind of in touch with my own preferences. I don't got nothing to do with anybody else's preferences because again, like I would love to be there, but I know me and I know that if, you know, my, my energy isn't correct. And if I know that, you know, I feel this certain way this time of the month, then I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not going to, just be out there, you know, just, just to, to, to keep up. Um, so, but that, again, that comes with maturity and discipline because, um, um, everybody there means a lot to me. So, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's the thing about the sanity of keeping your, your, your career together. And if you really listen to, you know, people like Rihanna and stuff like that, they're very isolated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're very isolated, and the bigger you get, you got to get used to it. You know, I, I had a homegirl, um, she talks about sometimes people be in her space calling her phone, she'll have, like, a stalker once in a while. You know, she's a musician, all this stuff. I said, baby girl, change your phone number. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She's like, you know, she's like, you know, oh, I heard this number for 12 years. I said, okay. How Get long you know me? Voice. <laughs> you know, exactly. You know, I have a solid number that people can get. But I said, how many times, how many, how many times you, I changed my number? I don't, you know, I'm very, I'm very, very private. You know what I mean? Like, you know, somebody, people are going to try to get to you, especially when you have contacts, especially when you're a journalist, you know, artists are going to want you to, I actually do well. People don't really bug me, but again, that's because I keep my space. And not only do I keep my space, I, when I'm in public, I'm, I'm really like, I'm really, 
it sounds, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the term down to earth because that's how other people should see. That's not how I should see myself. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But like, I'm very serious about being treated equally when I'm in, when I'm in public spaces. And I make that clear to my friends and I make it clear on the internet. I've had to work very, very hard to um, keep a um, a normal life. Do you know what I'm saying? I've been in the press since I was 17 years old. If I, if I wanted to be big, and like you guys, if any of us, if we really wanted to apply and, and, and be famous, we could do that because we are intelligent people and we believe in ourselves. I don't believe in celebrity culture. I work with celebrities who are living as a journalist. I have friends who are very famous, but the people that I deal with who are very famous, they're very real and they can still walk down the street. And so those have been like, you know, people like Saul Williams and stuff like that. He can still walk down the street. I'll read articles about David Bowie. He's in New York City. People don't even notice him. He just, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's a presence. It's a, it's a preference that you have. If you want attention, you're going to puff yourself up and wear crazy outfits and, you know, want people to, to, you know, ask for your autograph and all that stuff. But, you know what I mean, I'm pretty much in a coffee shop with my head buried in a book with my glasses on or I'm kicking it with my friends and everybody is allowed to walk up to me and sit down and chill. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But all of this takes, like, real communication and real discipline um, to make it very clear, like, okay, I do this. Yes, you're going to see me in the press soon. You're going to see me, you know, um, uh, I think Playboy called one of my records, like one of the most underrated records. Like if you Google me, if you, you know, you, you, if you look me up, yes, that's all very cool. But when you're in front of me, we're, I'm, I'm just, I'm just like you. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about Wikipedia. I want you to <laughs> talk to, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, people tell, you know, my girlfriend's trying to say that stuff, you know, like about dating and things like that. You know, it's like, baby, I can't, you, you can't, you can't date the same way when you're on Wikipedia. You know what I'm saying? It's I mean, like, please, I'd love your opinion. I, I'd love- <laughs> I mean, you know, when I was younger, my father told me the concept of, uh, what's it, noblesse oblige? And it's like, mm. you know, when you are gifted with something, yeah, you know, whether you want it or whether you don't want it, it yeah. automatically places a certain responsibility on you. And sure. that's just what you have to deal with, you know. Right. And right. when you look at some of the greatest, I guess, leaders in history, like I always give this example of like Martin Luther King, like. Yeah. I always say, you know, he didn't feel like doing that shit. <laughs> For sure. Like, but sure. he was in the position and he had to, you know, do what he had to do. But, right. you know, it's like when you're in a certain position, you have to do what you have to do sometimes. And, right. um, right. you know, it might not be easy, but that's just right. the cards that you were dealt. And I right. guess one way to look at it is, yeah, I'm in this situation and, you know, certain things might make me unhappy, but... You know, look at this guy over here. He would beg to be in my position right now. So that kind of keeps a balance sometimes. 
Definitely. And I and I think about Martin Luther King in that same context all the time. I, I say, you know, he, you know, yeah, exactly. That is definitely one of my, my humbling um, techniques. Also, being a journalist and understanding global, um, having global awareness, mm. knowing that me as a black woman um, in the United States of America, I am incredibly blessed. If I were in any other country, I would have to deal with female circumcision. I could be um, carted off. In Yemen, girls are married to, nine-year-old girls are married to 60-year-old men. They die because their internal organs are too premature to have sex. Okay? So, uh, you know, um, as a feminist, you know, I, I, you know, I have a lot of, you know, these black women around me complaining and yelling at me for not being more angry and more revolutionary. But it's like they don't really understand that how blessed we have. And for the most part, we have everything. We are able to. We have gay marriage. We have. Uh, we have. We. I mean. And if that goes back to Martin Luther King and, and my problem with a lot of the young revolutionaries right now. When we try to separate ourselves and become an all-black and all-white and all this and that, we kind of dismiss what Martin Luther King and so many people have died for us to have. Our great-grand-great-great-great-grandparents cried and begged to God for us to be able to go to school, mm-hmm. for us to be able to even have the smallest um, uh, 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 opportunities. And now that we have them, we have these young people saying that saying that they don't want it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I, I have a lot of humbling techniques um, for me personally on, on, on love and kindness, compassion, tolerance, forgiveness, um, because I know that I could have been born in Sudan. I know I could have been born in Pakistan. Um, I know the horrors of female circumcision. Um, also, you know, I, 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 now that we're talking a little bit about women's issues, I was, I kind of, I was, I was checking out your show and I've kind of noticed that, you know, you don't have many women guests, you know, on this show. <laughs> yeah. We just had a we conversation just about, about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the only thing that I see is about, you know, this, this naked woman, cannabis's daughter and, you know, all this stuff and. I have to say, as a as a hardworking black woman, you know that kind of it hurts. It and talking to Shannon Wallace, who was a woman that you should she talk to. She's the only um, black female photojournalist on the beat right now. She's with City Paper and the Afro. Um, we were talking today about getting hit on by our colleagues and in, in our literary journalism scene. How we have to protect ourselves. Um, how we're treated. And, you know, um, see, when, when, when men treat us like that, it doesn't, it actually hurts us. Like, it hurts. And not only does it hurt us, um, it makes us feel 
dismissed and isolated and saddened. <laughs> I, I really, and I, I need to, I, and I, I need to have this conversation with you guys because, you know, when, 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 when me as a hardworking woman sees, you know, have you seen Cannabis's daughter? You know, I think, um, A, she has a name. B, you're exploiting her body. C, you are exploiting a man's baby. You know, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be, but that that that's. And I wanted to have that conversation with you guys. It seems like you are, um, you're directing your 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 work towards male audiences. And I've I've worked with D. I understand. I've, I I love Terrence's City of Gods, and I understand we have a lot of safe spaces for black men in this community, but when it comes to black women, I get treated real crazy. I, 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 you know, people consider me like snooty because I dress well. You know, I speak this way. I come, I, I rode up at a rap battle dressed to the nines because I didn't know <laughs> what was going on, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, a couple of brothers like, oh, yeah, 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 you from the county. I said, I said, baby, I'm not from the county. My grandma's on Denison Street. Like, what are you talking about? Right, so, right, right. so I deal with, you know, um, and I go to Penn North and I teach, and my my teenage students, um, I get so much sexism and so much um, disrespect because I'm a young woman that dresses well. I know that if I was a male teacher, and I've had to talk to a few people about this in regards to my activism. Sometimes I have to get men to say the same shit that I have to say just because I'm 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 not listened to or respected in, in the same way. And Shannon and I, the only black journal, female journalist that we know, um, it was um, and she's younger. She's 25 and I'm I'm 30. So I, I, I and 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 she she may disagree and I, I hope she does. But I, I saw the sadness. I'm older now, so I can kind of brush it off, you know, in regards to when, when men hit on us and they say certain things. And, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I can kind of deal with it with humor and patience. But when you're younger and you're just trying to find someone you can trust to teach you, you know, um, it's violating when you're just trying to get close to get tips and to, and to, and to, and to, to learn from a mentor and then they take advantage, um, and diminish us. Uh, I'm okay. Cause I'm on a level where I'm equal now. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I saw her, I saw me in her, 22, 23, 24, 25. I'm doing actually a piece for LA Weekly called um, It's About Black Female Rock and Roll Journalists. We're so isolated. There's so few of us. And so I had to, I've been having to write in the press. Uh, you know, finally, you know, there's been this come to Jesus life situation. Wait, hey, Jordana, how come, how come you're the only one? Mm, that's a good question. You know what I mean? Not only is it, you know, white male privilege, but it's also black male privilege. So I, I would ask you brothers in the future, 
you know, you guys can do better. And I, I, I listened to your Soderbergh interview. Your questions are, you are great interviewers. I was actually really impressed. You know what I'm saying? Um, I got a couple of opinions about Soderbergh, but I'm going to leave that <laughs> alone. <laughs> I mean, I think, um, you know. I think when it comes to, to that episode in particular and then the issues that you just spoke about, um, yeah. you know, when we do the show a lot of times um, and, you know, we don't necessarily, oh, I mean, like you see, you know, we don't really have um, a female voice um in the conversation so you know we're definitely glad that you're here but you know a lot of our shows especially when we don't have guests it's just kind of us just talking as dudes and sometimes it's kind of like private conversations and then we might pick a piece of it and like kind of put it out so i can kind of see like how how that might seem a certain way but then when you like listen to it it's it was kind of like it wasn't necessarily meant to 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 be um you know degrading or anything like that um so you know. baby you got a naked young young girl she's young i don't know how old she is she looks like she's 22 oh well, maybe she's not 22 maybe she's grown it doesn't matter <laughs> it's sexist and I need you to admit that because I'm not it's not I'm not saying it's it's bad Mm -hmm. I'm not upset with you but it was sexist and I I looked it all and I saw the men on the top of your website and then the first thing I see the only woman I see on here is a naked black woman Mm. and I'm like damn and look I'm a model too you know what I'm saying like there you know but it was like she wasn't a guest on the show, so she wasn't able to speak for herself. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, it just, and, and you know, so is that just tied into me looking at looking at this young sister and her eyes being, I mean, I'm not a photojournalist. I'm not on the beat, you know what I'm saying, trying to get pictures and, you know, and dealing with, with, with crime and protest and, and all of this stuff. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Hollywood reporter and I do deal with a lot of um social cultural issues but I'm I'm not really on the street, you know. Um and it, it hurt me to see her hurt. Um so, you know, uh, here in Baltimore, that's and that's a big reason why I'm here. And that's a big reason why I'm not going anywhere. Because mm-hmm the women nor do nor do the men or the women have a woman who a is walking around speaking like me walking like me and talking like me with the professional background and from the block you know what i'm saying so when my kid when my teenage students is like oh you, you know we don't want you to we don't want you to get scared of nothing excuse me i'm a grown-ass woman you're a teenager i'm not scared of you you know what i mean like they don't they don't see women who look like me who also have the street smart do you know what i mean so so you know i i I have to get in here and have these conversations and i have these young revolutionary women who are angry at me because i choose to be polished i choose to be patient i choose to have white friends i choose to love anybody who's chill with me um, so, 
we don't have role model. We don't have female role models who are walking around saying, love one another, be patient with yourself, take care of your body, take care of your career. You don't have to have, you don't have to have sex early. Why don't you wait? Why don't you get to know this person? If they're not treating you right, don't give them your body. And women are getting mad at me, but I have to say it because it, it, they hear it at least. So when I go into Penn North and I've had to, and I had the bureaucracy mad at me because I'm different, right? I said, listen, I'm not trying to change these students. I'm trying to give them an option because they don't know that they can get out and travel the world and be from the block. You know what I'm saying? I love all of the male writers that are that are big right now in our culture, but the narrative is based around crack and poverty and violence and pain. Where are our where are Martin Luther King's? We had Martin and Malcolm. We had the we had the balance. Do you know what I'm saying? We had the nonviolence and we had the violence. We had the man who said, love one another. I am a man of God. I'm a Christian man and I will walk by these white people. And I will, and I will, my dream is to see everybody loving one another. That was Martin Luther King's dream for us as a people to be able to love one another freely. And he got mm -hmm. that dream. But here in Baltimore, we got this sexism, we got this racism, we got this intercultural racism, light skin and dark skin, middle class, you know, uh, 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 hood. We got all of these, 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 these issues within us. And we are forgetting Martin's dream and the fact that it has been realized we're still in the slave mentality even though the utopia is here right the I dream think, manifested um, right yeah. i know i'm sounding idealism please break me yeah. down please i mean i think um what what you were saying earlier because i think that like a lot of our interpersonal things um sure. on a on a micro level kind of um are the same thing on a macro level so uh -huh. you were saying earlier about how we're afraid of sharing mm. um you know with other people sharing our contacts and our resources and things mm. because we have a sense of scarcity mm. um so i think that that sense of scarcity is not only on an individual level but it's on the level of everybody all together as well sure. so um you know, coming out of a situation of segregation when we had um, a lot of, you know, bad things happening as well. But at, but at the same time, that led to us having stronger communities and maybe sure. a little bit less of a sense of scarcity because we all had each other together. And so sure. you were able to have more of the dichotomy of different views coming through to where now it's like, um, you know, the we have the choice to kind of go everywhere 
Um, but but only the people who were able to go everywhere after redlining and everything are able to get there. So now you only have like you don't have the diversity in certain communities of different types of people. And everybody has that same mentality of scarcity. And so you're only going to get what comes from that mentality, I guess. So you kind of get that same type of view. Um, And and it's like people don't realize the abundance and and they don't and, you know, not necessarily having a world view because. Right. You know, it's like what's happening right now in front of me. Right. And I get that. And and, 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 and black female activists have, have criticized me feeling that I do not that I do not um, um, recognize um, uh, systemic racism as much as they think that I should. Um, my my narrative and rhetoric is more based on self-realization, globalization, um, self-love and compassion towards one another. With that said, I, the reason why I don't say white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy, systemic racism, systemic racism is because I'm busting my ass and I'm in Penn North teaching the teenagers. I'm there. I can't always say, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, uh, talk is cheap for me. And again, with all due respect to the podcast, because I love this, <laughs> but I would say like in regards to my critics, not you, you know what I'm saying? Like y'all can say you, I know that, that, that people want me to say more and to recognize and speak more about the problems, but I want to take the time to speak more about the positive because we, we lack that. We lack that in activism. We lack that in a leader, where is our positive, encouraging voice, and where is the person who's going to go in? I'm, I did, you know, art at work, and I, you know, the first question I asked is, what country, if you wanted to go to any country in the world, where would it be? You know, the funny thing is, it's not funny, actually, it's amazing. The, the, the most, the, most uh, the country that most students wanted to go to, I think like four people said out of the 20 people was Russia. Wow. Now who who would have thought that? So I go and I listen to them, and they say, you know what? People don't pay attention to us. We don't feel like people care. We feel like teachers like you come in, you get money, and then you leave. We feel we feel neglected. My I lived in my house for two years without gas and without water. I listen. And not only do I listen, I give them jobs if they're ready. Do you know what I'm saying? Come to me. Here's my business card. If you really want to be a writer, call me, and I'll get you in. Whatever you want to do. Do you know what I'm saying? So I don't always have time. A, I don't want um, recognition for what I do. So I am going to get critics because critics are not going to see everything that I'm doing. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Um, but we have forgotten because I grew up here 25 years ago and I just remember a different Baltimore where I was six years old and we could still go to the corner store by ourselves, you know, go to the cigarette machine and get Uncle some cigarettes. Do you know what I'm saying? It was a different Baltimore. I remember when, 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 you know, when we were still like right at the end of it, we were still cleaning our marble steps. So I remember community. 
No, what it did start getting scary, you know, by the time, you know, it was always rough, but scary by the 90, late 90s, you know what I'm saying? And my mother moved me out because it was getting, it was getting hairy and I was starting to come of age and I wasn't going on, I wasn't going down a good path. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so my mother, God bless her took me out right before I probably would have gotten pregnant or an STD or, you know what I mean, this or that or that or this. You know what I'm saying? So because I got that gift to travel and to see different people and to love different people, I can come home and say, you know, you can have this too if you want it. It is just an option. Right, right. You know? So, yeah, but I'm I'm glad we got to talk about the the kind of a little bit of the feminist thing. I I, I want to encourage you guys. You know, there's so many amazing women um, here of all different uh, uh, races and creeds and 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 and, and talents that I hope um, you know um, you get to explore with them. Um, because we're so beautiful. <laughs> no, de no, definitely. I mean, you know, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, when we get guests on the show that people reaching out like you or, yeah, you know, yeah. we just get an idea or something like that. Or, you know, we might speak to somebody and they say, hey, you should check this person out. So, you know, it, sure. it's kind of organic like that. And then, you know, um, so yeah yeah you know we're, we're definitely open to 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 more because we definitely need more uh female voices on here and we definitely appreciate your your perspective and um you know it's kind of interesting um how you know at least in my mind um mm -hmm. it's something that you know i hadn't necessarily considered at the time so you know it's it, it's definitely important to have that input so you know definitely appreciate it you know, I was uh, walking down the street and I was thinking, all black women really have is our beauty. Think about it. If I wasn't beautiful, what opportunities would I really get on a social level being a black woman from Baltimore City? I would be completely ignored on the world stage or even even an does that make sense do you know what i'm saying if 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 yeah i mean and i think about that and i talk to white i don't talk to, i don't just talk to, to you guys. i have these conversations to white men too i say listen you know you know i i i know all the rock and roll guys i know i know them all right and I'll look him in the eye and I'll go, you know, if I was 250 pounds and my hair was natural and my skin was darker, you probably wouldn't be talking to me right now. And they agree. Do you know what I'm saying? So, you know what I mean? I've talked to, to white female. I, I think I only know one other white female uh one other activist in general, I shouldn't say she's a white female, just one female act who's actually willing to say pretty privilege. You know what I'm saying? Um, why 5 doesn't hurt her. And I've actually, like, 
I've never been messed with, with by the cops in my life. Not once ever. Okay. Um, so these are, I hope you guys, just even in your personal lives, you know, let's start showing love to the invisible. The, the, because the black women of the world, you know, what did, what did John Lennon say? Women are the niggers of the world, right? Well, you know, um, and I, I'm thinking about it now. There was a woman, uh, I think, Tariq Therese reading the impact on the shoe. Like, man, black women are the scum of the earth. And I was like, I ain't scum of the earth, you know, but, but that was, that was, that was arrogant of me now that I think about it. Now that I think about it, you know what I'm saying? Because I've had a pretty easy life. I'm charming. I'm, 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 I'm chill. I'm calm. I'm rational. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so people can get along with me. Men can get along with me. They can have conversations. They can befriend me. So I'm like this safe, you know, woman. And I'm, and I'm pretty. So I have this, I'm this, I can go in a lot of different circles, right? But I had, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, um, if I were different, I probably, I probably wouldn't, you know, um, be afforded everything that I have. So I, I hope that, that we as a community can, can start seeing the beauty in everybody on the block. Cause when I'm on North Ave and I see everybody on the block, I see, I see beauty. I, I see, I think our culture, I think our community, even the poor black community, I think we are the most resilient, hilarious, crazy, eccentric, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, definitely, yeah. definitely. People, you know what I mean? We're, 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 we're wild, but we're smart. We're organized. We're loyal. You know what I'm saying? The wire, the whole, the whole premise of the wire was the drug dealers being smarter than the cops. That was the whole, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that was like the whole premise of the whole situation. So, you know what I mean? So if we could just see that in ourselves. And I think that's what I'm trying to, I can't always be angry and complain about white supremacy and, and systemic racism because I see how, I see how beautiful we are. And, 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 and if we could just, See how gorgeous that overweight sixteen-year-old mom is with three kids, yelling at her kids on the bus. We can see how beautiful she is, and not try to change her. Not to, you know what I mean? Just, just love that. That's going to change the vibration of our community. Yeah, I mean, I think there's um different different components of the work so i think that that's a component definitely and then i think that um the whole thing with the white supremacy part of it is some people just get angry and just yell and whatever but there's the component of it of of uh, of looking at the history and looking at systems and how to either infiltrate or break down the system Mm -hmm. so that it can be better moving forward i think that's the more productive way of dealing with it instead of just screaming it 
Um, some people right. kind of just seem to just scream at it, but don't look at the solutions to okay, like. But it's it's it, like it's different levels to the work. There's the individual level and getting people to realize certain things because of certain situations. People weren't able to necessarily um, have a greater vision, you know, beyond what they see. And then there's the reasons for that, which some have been broken down, but some are there. And it seems like every time something gets knocked down, there's another way of, I guess, um, subtly or, um, you know, subtly putting it back in place in a different type of way. So, yeah, um, I think education, I mean, not not just education, but books, like books changed my life, reading. Mm -hmm change my life and that's how they get us you know right. i uh, there there are a couple of and there are a couple of things that i want to say on that and uh but i believe in literary empowerment mm-hmm. um you give a child a book you give them the world um and that i know that because my mother made us go to the library every weekend i was reading shakespeare by nine i was just in love with words. I'm still in love with words. And those words, I wrote a book, um, Don't Lose Track, Volume 1, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, that book It's is, available at Red Emma's, right? It's available at Red Emma's, and it is available on Amazon. Don't don't let mm-hmm. it fool you. It's going to say it's got two books in stock or something. It's, it's, it's got, there's enough <laughs> in our <Okay>. warehouse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yes, don't lose track volume one. That book's about to take me all over the world. You know what I'm saying? You know, so um, so that's that's been my 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 uh, literary um, empowerment, nutritional empowerment. Um, Are you going to the vegan um, the uh, vegan soul fest tomorrow? Uh, I am going to sleep tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> but I do know I do know that that's going on. Um, uh, Mia Musa, I'm, I'm I'm Facebook friends with some people who are who are going to be um, involved in that. Um, my plan is to start putting together food boxes um, next year um, of vegetables um, and and and, uh, and 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 good foods and just dispersing them to the community. Also, I'm going to start putting in um, uh, notes on where to find these vegetables and how to budget to get them. Um, so that's my goal for next year. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a walk-the-walk lady, and this isn't bragging. I'm just a walk-the-walk motherfucker. I, I, I always have been. So, I mean, that's my goal. After I get off tour and everything like that, that's going to be next. Last year, I have a, by the way, I have a nonprofit called Public Private, and it's a literary nonprofit. Um, last November, we did a book drive, and I was able to give away probably 300 to 600 books for free. Um, so so that's what, that's what I'm going to be doing next year, food, literary work. Um, and a couple of other things that I would, if you guys come to the crown, I'd like to talk to you about, I'm not going to really going to be putting them out in the press right now. But, um, the first thing I wanted to do was talk to the kids, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Cause I, 
you know, uh, and I'm about to do another workshop with the with the uh, with the high school zine um, creators uh, called Beast Girl Zine. So these are going to be young feminists, um, and I'm going to be working with them. Last thing I did was in Penn North with Art at Work, a literary um, zine workshop with teens. On September 3rd, I am going to be at DIY Fest at 2640. Um, in Charles Village, Mount Vernon area. Look up 2640 space, 145 to 245 p.m. I'm going to be doing a free DIY journalism workshop. Mm. Um, Anybody can come. Um, uh, I may be doing a dance akimbo um, project where I just take a group of people and lead them um, into a huge community-based art installation. We may dance. I may have them write. I may have them, you know what I mean? So, so, um, I'm, do, I'm going to be doing some fun things in the community, um, coming up, but yeah, DIY Fest, September 3rd, one forty-five to 2.45 PM at 2640 space, uh, in the Sunday room of the, of the building. It's an old church. Um, so, you know, you guys, I just, uh, first of all, you know, thank you so much for giving me a platform to, to be able to have this conversation with you. No, no, no worries. Thanks for reaching out. <laughs> you know, this is, uh, and your show is good. Like I said, I listened to your show and I was really impressed with the conversation and and everything. And I, I got through like half of the Soderbergh show um, before you guys called me. I do want to listen to Dee Watkins and um, a couple of, uh, of the other podcasts. Um but uh yeah yeah but yeah definitely um so so when are you dropping your next project well <laughs> uh, musically because uh, you're going on tour but yeah, then the release uh, like, day like, uh-huh. <laughs> the release day was supposed to be september 22nd uh okay. i'm pushing it back uh we have a single that's pretty much in the can um, I do also want to announce it's, it, I'm doing a duet with uh, with Dave Human of Arboretum, but I do want to announce that uh, Jana Hunter of the band Lower Den, local band, um, mixed uh, the record. So we got some kind of some big names on there, and uh, Jana is a sister of mine. She's not a big name; she's my homegirl. But um, I want to say the first Tuesday of October. Okay. Um, I'll let y'all know. Of course, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll even hand you uh, the song to play or premiere when, um, when we drop it. Um, definitely, definitely. But um, it's, it's, it's a folk soul record. And um, yeah, uh, I, I covered Drake on it. <laughs> <laughs> with an acoustic guitar. Oh. <laughs> uh, so it's it's going to be really different, but, you know, um, yeah, the warm and slow is about, uh, it's about love. It's, it's just a very personal um, love record, and hopefully the book will come out sometime next year. This, um, I submitted it to my publishers. We'll see if they like it, and <laughs> I'll keep you posted on that. Um, also, oh, another big date, October 6th, I am going to be hosting um, legendary author Greg Tate, Baltimore book release, Edward Emma. 
Um, Greg Tate is the founder of the Black Rock Coalition. He um, basically, I found his book through required reading of D. Watkins' class because I knew his teacher's, I knew his assistant, right? And I was kicking it at her house, and I found this book, and I opened up a page of Greg Tate's book, and it was about a black shoegaze rock and roll band called A.R. Kane, right? Your name's A.R., right? Check out A.R. Yep. Kane, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, check out A.R. Kane. <laughs> yeah, A.R. Kane. They're, they're a black um, shoegaze band, right? Um, and I know them. Um, I also used to manage a, sho- a black shoegaze band called The Velt. Check out The Velt, V-E-L-D-T. Um, so anyway, I, I found this book, and it's by, I said, who is this guy? This is a, a black writer who writes about rock music. What the, I didn't know he existed. So all of a sudden, here's that synchronicity again. I'm telling you, God just works in my life. I don't even you know, know what the deal is. I got to write for the Village Voice, and they would disrespect. They really just shat on me as a woman, as a female writer. And um, my friend at the Velt, Danny said, you know, fuck that baby girl. I know Greg Tate. We going to, <laughs> you know what I mean? You talk to Greg Tate. I said, That's how Danny talks. I was like, okay. So he connected us. And um, I ended up writing a piece in the East Bay Express called um, Black Voices and Music Criticism Are Essential. And it was basically a manifesto about black writers writing for alternative media, which is where we kind of get into Brandon Soderbergh and City Paper. You know, Mm -hmm. the lack of black writers in alternative weeklies, places like Vice, places like, you know, when we separate ourselves as black writers and don't write for alternative media, then our voices are completely negated. You know what I'm saying? So some of us have to infiltrate and write for, and the Village Voice has always hosted black writers, but you know what I mean? Some of us have to stand strong and and continue to write for the city papers and the East Bay Expresses and the and Vice Magazine and all these places, the Engbacher, which just got shut down and, you know what I'm saying? And BuzzFeed, which I hate. But I mean, we some of us need to be there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I won't do it. I won't write for Pitchfork, but some of us need to, <laughs> you know, need to be there. Um, and I think that, you know, um, City Paper does a horrible job of hiring black writers. I think they need to do uh, black editors, excuse me, and black staff, not just freelancers. And I think they need to do better. Um, and Soderbergh knows how I feel. And with all due respect as a colleague and as a human being, but that's how I feel. Um, so, um, but anyway, Greg is, my, he's my mother's age. He's like a dad to me. And there's where that reciprocity comes from. He decided to just talk to me. <laughs> and I said, hey, let me, let me do your book release in Baltimore. And he said, sure. So, like God is good. That is that that is that love where I'm helping a legend you know, do his thing and go on his book tour and um and and I'm lucky because he's just allowing me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll be opening and reading for that. We're gonna try and get Lawrence Bernay of True Laurel, um, who is a great zine writer and journalist. Um, he writes for the Fader and for uh, Noisy, 
um, I would love to connect you guys for this show. Um, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'll definitely connect you with some of my, you know, my female uh, writing and activist friends, but also some some great, um, some great just human writers and and, and thinkers. Because um, I really enjoy you guys and I respect uh, what you're doing for sure. Thank appreciate you. It. And, you know, um, I really like, um, you know, a lot of your projects as well. Um, and I look forward to seeing you next uh, Wednesday at uh, The Crown. <laughs> I am so excited about that show. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be my first show in over a year. So you're going to see me. That's what's up. Uh, barefoot. I always play barefoot. You're going to see me in, in just, just being me. Um, I'll be around friends, so it'll be a it'll be a really fun time. Again, it's after Fields Fest, so I don't know who's going to show up. So you're going to have an intimate <laughs> gig. Um, but um, yeah, I guess all I really want to say is that I believe um, that in the power of love, and I believe that if we really choose to not be afraid to not judge and I'll make this quick I know I know we gotta wrap up but I'm just like having that discipline of not having those snap judgments I, I love I love Baltimoreans I love us but we're very passionate and we're also very um, we're very sensitive as a community, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll say something, you're like, what the fuck do you mean by that? What, what, I mean, nigga, what you talking about? You know what I mean? Real quick, you know what I mean? Like, before we process and before we slow, I would talk, my mother would say something to me and I would like, not answer real quick. She'd be like, huh? I'm like, mom, I'm thinking before I answer you. I've always been that way, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So like, I want to see our community pulled down our guard a little bit because I swear if we pull down our guard there will be less danger I know that we're taught by the media and that we're taught by the world that we will be attacked if we open right but Mm -hmm. I was trying to teach my students about being more respectful and and being more patient because when you're in front of a cop and you're chill now look cops are fucked up and they if you black they're gonna fuck with you and i am not negating that with it was the deepest crux of my soul i know it's fucked up but for real if we focus and calm down and communicate people can't touch you if you have faith in yourself and you have a calmness at at your root I've seen it and I believe in it and I believe in you know um, the safety of my body and that's my philosophy of being a safe space for humans to be able to to come to me and to be around me and to communicate and that is my dream for like especially the women in in my community who get 
um, disrespected and our bodies are objectified. Um, but for us to be a safe space within ourselves is is kind of the most power that we can have. And I hope that you men on the deepest level have respect for for our bodies because we're sacred and sex is a gift you know what I mean these are the little things that we need to learn in our community that like you know um, oh I meant to talk about this real quick people have also gotten mad at me because I said that I dated white men mainly you know I would say maybe 80% over the past 15 years you know what I'm saying um, and black men have asked me why and they've gotten upset. I said, well, you know, in their culture, you know, a, they're more patient. They, they've, they're taught to court and they're taught to date. Okay? A lot of the men in my life, I didn't sleep with them for close to a year. I'm I'm not necessarily a good girl. I'll just rot you because I don't got time to get fucked over because I'm a busy woman. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have, right, do you right. know what I mean? I want to see how you roll. I want to see you. I want to, you know, you know what's going on. I want to be your friend. I want to figure out what's going on. You know what I mean? And I'm trying to teach young women on, on my side, you know, like, you know, who, we forgot how to date each other and how to, like, like, chill and be friends and like kiss like what is all this like and I don't, that's why I don't really you know I, I, our community is so fast um, and we have these girls who are 14 years old um, pregnant that's called molestation that is not called consensual sex if a woman is under 18 years old that's never consensual she's not ready you know and I'm not saying this to you but I'm saying this over your airways so your your listeners who may be predominantly male can hear this. You know, um, I look like I'm 16. I'm 30. But when grown men come to me 40, 50 years old, and I know that I look like I'm 16, that shit is not cool. So, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, I know how... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, so... You know what I mean? It's never okay. These women are not ready, but, you know, we don't necessarily want money if you're nice. Does that make like, and that's what men don't get that. They think that we want money and materials, but, like, if you're, like, sweet and affectionate and friendly and calm and, like, supportive and can give what you have, but even if it's on, like, an emotional, like, chill, loyal level, like, we don't, we won't demand much. But, yes, if, 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 if you impregnate a woman and she needs help raising the child financially, that is not a burden, you know. Um, so I've, I've, I've kind of been pushed into having to adapt um, because I've seen throughout my years, especially growing up here, um, so many women get hurt and left pregnant, you know, with, with, with nothing. And I, I, my mother is a single mother. And so um, 
you know, I, I decided to partner with people who come from a different culture and who just have different ways of doing things. It's not racism. It's not like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, it, some cultures just kind of do things a little bit slower in the way that I need them done. Does that make sense? Can, does that make sense? Did I explain that as a black woman who kind of dates outside of a race in a sensitive way that you could, that feels respectful? I don't know. Uh, it it yeah. makes sense, but like um, yeah. at the same time, like it's it's almost a generalization mm-hmm. which I understand is an evolutionary mm-hmm. thing that we have to generalize for our survival mm-hmm. and things like that. But like it gets to the point where when I meet people, it's like, um, you know, oh, I thought you were going to be this way because you're mm-hmm. this and you're from here mm-hmm. and you're that. And it's like, yeah, but my background is like a whole nother thing that you probably mm-hmm. wouldn't expect. So, um, you know, I definitely understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from um, because that comes from a real place and that comes from real experiences and things that you've seen and been through. But then at the same time, it's almost like sometimes, you know, people, good people might sure. get looked over, which, you know, sometimes is definitely affect the life and that's just the way the ball rolls. So, Not everybody you know, can, I don't know. You know, that, destiny can't, can't connect us all. But see, I say that on the other level when when black women are like, oh, I'll never, you know, do this or do that. First of all, I never said that I don't, you know, I haven't dated black men. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying it's been the majority. Um, But, you know, even, you know, I was just getting my hair braided a couple of days ago in my my hairdress. She's got four children. She's getting a divorce. Um, But... You know, she was talking to me that she she told me that every single one of her friends had been left or cheated on black women. And then she has a woman in her house that is on bed rest, pregnant, and her husband and her and her fiance left her because she, quote unquote, could not provide. She's pregnant with twins. She lost Mm -hmm. one of the twins through stress. The other twin is about to get lost for stress of this relationship. And he just threw her out. And these and this is a pattern. So this is me two days ago hearing these stories. Okay. This is a pattern. So I know it's a generalization, which is the plight of a black man, how to be a good, look, I have the plight of being a good black woman. You know what I'm saying? You know, we're all a good Person, what, what do we say? A good man and a good woman is hard to find, no matter what color you are. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, but we got to look at Baltimore. This is a Baltimore-based show. The num the the, the the numbers of STDs, the numbers of single mothers, and single mothers under the age of 18 and 21. We've got to look at the demographic of our culture and say, me as a young woman. Who likes who is a survivor? You know what I mean. We talk about my business. I want to survive. I'm like, how do I adapt to survive? Okay. How do I not get AIDS? 
how, because every partner, every partner I've had, you know, white men, black men, but mainly white men, they say, oh, um, okay, you're coming into town. Well, I've been tested. I just wanted to let you know. And um, I have been with this person. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a different, it, it you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it, I, so I choose, you know, very poignantly um, to, to survive. But yeah, man, when I was in high school, the STD rate in my school was like 50%. And I thank God so much. I know that, like, I am blessed. And we talked about, you talked about what your father said about blessings. It's just, I know that I'm lucky, which is why I come home and I talk to these young people because I know that I am them. I could be them. I could have nothing that stopped me from being a young black woman, being pregnant at 15 years old. There is nothing that stopped me from being her. So I go to my students and they can't see it because I'm fancy and all this shit, but I'm like, yo, I am you. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? God is just using me. God, I'm just lucky because God is just using me to talk to you. But but there is nothing that, that other than luck, um, and maybe you two may feel the same way to be able to have this, this, this platform or whatever, but there's there's nothing, you know, that ultimately keeps us from the dangers of coming up in this rough town, but our choices. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. people can criticize me. You can say that. You can say whatever the fuck they want to say about me, but, but my body is, is, is okay. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want y- other young women and other young men to grow up with their bodies being healthy. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that makes I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, I feel like. Um, you know, definitely an emphasis on, you know, you do have a choice and making people aware that they have a choice um, and that, you know, your choices can lead to to various outcomes depending on what you choose and discipline and um, all these types of things that, you know, things that definitely need to be instilled in people on an individual level. Um, because no matter what situation you're in, whether it's good or bad, you can be a child of a billionaire and make the worst choices and mess it all up and you can be the child of a crackhead and make some good choices and rise to be that billionaire so um you know it's it's, you know life is interesting uh may you uh may we live in interesting times (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah either they either say that that's a chinese curse or a chinese blessing depending on the (laughs) on the person um (laughs) But yeah, I got that from from Ram Das. He said, "Yeah, it's a Chinese curse. May you may you live an interesting time." Yeah, and um, <laughs> definitely check out um, uh, Alan Watts too. Uh, you know, I mess with him a lot. Um, I think he... you know, I, I like him, but he's he's a little he's a little, like Ram Das is a jokester. You know what I mean? Like Alan is a, he's a little serious. I'm gonna try to get deeper into him, but uh, well, he was the first. I, I know what he was like the first one to bring everything over and then people you know got into it after him um 
Right. So, you know, that's like a like a beginning point, I guess. But then there's Ram Das, there's right. Krishna Das and um right. a couple other people who are on that same type of right. wavelength. But um but yeah, um wow. you know, we definitely appreciate it. Um, you know, having you on definitely great conversation and you know, definitely great to have another female voice on the show. So, um, you know, we really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to check you out. Sing God, he's he's out in the wilderness of Oklahoma <laughs> doing his thing. But, <laughs> cool, um, cool. Um, but but yeah, 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 I'm gonna come through the crown on Wednesday. Um, where can people reach you? Oh boy. Well, let's see. Uh, Twitter at Love Jordana J O R D A N N A H. Love Jordana. Facebook.com, J O R D A N N A H E, Jordana E. Um, I know this sounds silly, but the best way is really just Google my name because somewhere in there you'll be able to find all my music, all my stuff. I have a band camp, I have SoundCloud, I have a Tumblr, and Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm on Wikipedia. I have all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to email me, you can email me at jewriting, J-E-W-R-I-T-I-N-G, at outlook.com. I like to get letters from people, um, and I hope some of your listeners um, reach out to me because I'm always down, whether it's positive or, or, or negative thoughts from my readers and from uh, uh, your listeners, it, it would be, um, it's always enlightening for me to engage. So, yeah, um, August 24th, The Crown, Ancestral Duo. I will be playing with uh, cellist Chanel Whitehead and uh, guitarist Miles Gannett, uh, Dan Conrad, and Dave Human. These are two legendary artists who have never shared the stage before, right? So, this is going to be like a full on experimental once-in-a-lifetime collaboration. Dave Human of Arboretum, Dan Conrad, you can find him on Wikipedia. Um, he is an incredible instrument maker and artist. Uh, his daddy's famous for doing stuff. His brother Tony is famous for being an artist. But he's just the sweetest um, guy. He played my birthday. Him and my dad bonded at the same age. It was really cute. And um, Plate 64 and the Hexagrams, which is Alex Holman, a young uh, singer-songwriter who I really enjoy, will be opening the show. Um, it's just going to be family. It's going to be um, a real beautiful bill. It's going to be a real bill for sure, um, something that you, you will probably never see again, ever. So I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, and um, I need to go to bed. Y'all got me up <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm going to go cat sit my friend, um, my friend Lexi Mountain. She's uh, playing Fields Fest right now. Everybody, all my friends are out in the, in the wilderness right now. So I'm going to go cat sit and uh, take care of her little animals while she's partying. And I'm home writing my articles. <laughs> Being a nerd. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's what's up. Nah, but um definitely, you know, continue to do your thing and um, you know, keep in touch and you know, um 
looking forward to seeing you know how you progress and everything like that um so you know thank you so thank much you. for blessing our platform and um thank you no doubt and with that we out peace peace all right good night have a great night you too dear bye Different plane now, man. It's all good. Well, what up? All good, baby. In every hood, Bridge. son. Well, what up? Yo, CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Network Street Network niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface.